Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport, the record book. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest of our Game Day Record Book Archive podcast. I'm Danny Kelly and the same as we've been doing around the weeks that we've been in isolation and there is no football more to the point and we're going to be looking back with my guests who I'll introduce in just a second on a brilliant Premier League season. We're picking the best and worst performances and the heroes and villains of that year. Particularly year, if you're an Arsenal fan, um, you'll be already plumping up a cushion. Um, it's the season 2003-2004. And to help me review that season, um, and of course, all joining me through the wonderment of remote microphones, I'll just let you know this because in case you hear any slight glitches in the sound, you'll forgive us. I'm uh, re- re- recording this um, from um, Upper Hill in Southern Ireland. Um, my next guest, uh, Adrian Clark, the former Arsenal, Southend, and many other clubs footballer, is recording it. Adrian, I think in Leicestershire, is that right? Yeah, I'm in Leicestershire as we speak. Uh, yeah, right, smack bang in the country. Just took delivery about an hour or so ago of a, of a Sunday roast. Absolutely joyous um, Sunday dinner I've just had. So I'm, I'm well fed and ready to go. You, you do realise, I mean, who normally cooks the Sunday roast in your house? <laughs> no, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you do realise it's takeaway from the rest of time from now on, you know, that that's going to happen. And that other voice you heard in our studio yes. in London, he is, I'm sure, looking after himself and keeping safe and distancing from our producer. I'd like to say, you know, broadcaster, radio, music, legend, all the rest of those things. Mark Webster. Hi, Mark. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Yes, I'm, I'm distance. I, I'm, I spend a lot of time out as far away from him as possible. But in particular, yes, now I am. I'm on. I'll, I'll represent the seventeenth floor as part of our little triangle of football. Absolutely, and if people get bored with us over the weeks talking about distancing and all the rest of it, I make no apology for it. Um, we, we're making these podcasts to try and entertain and inform you. Entertain mostly, if I'm honest. Um, but there's no point. Yeah. Uh, don't don't bother do about the right informing, thing. Dan. It's I think we've gone way, no. way beyond that. Yes. This day in 2001, they played Valencia in a Champions League semi-final. Three years on, they are relegated from the top flight. How times change. Eddie Gray, Alan Smith leads through and through, but they didn't have enough about them. They weren't good enough and they are going down. Sticky situation result-wise and the last two performances at the lane here have not been good enough. Players know that, we spoke about that. And, you know, we've got to dig in deep and we've got to try and turn a corner. 
it's still early in the season. Let's talk about the amazing season of 2003-2004 then. Um, and we're going to start because there were some fantastically bad performances <laughs> um, with the worst performance by a team, club, manager or player. Um, Adrian, um, you're uh, newer to the programme than Mark, so I'm going to allow you to go first. Oh, very kind of you, Danny. Um, yeah, my pick for worst performance of the season is Glenn Hoddle. Um, oh, it was shortly straight in with studs up from Clark. <laughs> yeah, I know. On Kelly. Is it not enough? Is it not enough? You're going to spend 45 minutes praising Arsenal, but Spurs have to get in as well, do they? Who was who got that yeah, red? I'm who got the 11 that. second red card in that famously? That's, that's, that was Clark right there. That was. <laughs> Sorry, boys. I, I just I had to do it because as brilliant as Arsenal were. Spurs were just awful, and and Glenn Hoddle in particular. Cast your mind back, 2002-03, the previous campaign had finished really, really badly for Spurs. and They'd lost seven of the last ten games. He was under big pressure. Um, didn't offer Teddy Sheringham, who scored plenty of goals that season, didn't offer him a new contract. He he hopped off to Portsmouth on a on a free contract on a free transfer, and he signed Hilda Postiga. I don't mm. remember. Danny will remember. Straight swap, really? <laughs> yes, I, yes, I do remember. And I remember the reaction. Uh, I remember reading a piece uh, on one of the Spurs uh, websites at the time. who we were saying, you know, they've done this bit of business, that, that bit of business. Very unexpected. Helder Postiga, real bright prospect, um, like Cristiano Ronaldo uh, coming out of Portugal. Um, and it was like it was sold to us as that here comes another, uh, another one of like this great player that Manchester United have got, who no doubt we'll talk about later. Um, no, uh, <laughs> he, the, the transfer window, I seem to recall, left Spurs with a squad. I mean, you, you can you can help me here, Adrian. Left Spurs with a squad that I remember uh, being absolutely... There were one or two lovely players. You know, Stephen Carr was in that team. Um, but basically, it was a, just a, a mishmash of, of of nothing footballers. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, so, so Postiga came in for six and a quarter million pounds. He only scored one goal in 19 Premier League games. You've got to... F- Feel for him as well, by the way, because he left Porto, didn't he? And it was it was the season that they went on to win the Champions League. So so it was a double whammy of disappointment for him. But yeah, just just to give you an idea of how they started the season, Spurs um, first six games they lost to Birmingham, they lost three 0 at home to Fulham, four two at Chelsea, and three one at home to Southampton was the final game. It was the nail in the coffin for Glenn. Uh, and some of the names playing in that in that side that day. This is this Here is the go. team Hoddle had constructed. Some of the names include uh, uh, Rizzo Tarico, Bunjasevic. I don't even remember. Yeah, Goran Bunjasevic. Yes, I don't um, even remember him. Actually, um, no longer no longer uh, on this veil of tears. Actually, died young. Huh? Oh, that's sad. Uh, that's, uh, put, Anthony, that's put you on the back foot. That's put you on the back yeah. foot, hasn't it? <laughs> Anthony Gardner, Rowan Ricketts, uh, Dalmat, and Bobby Zamora. Oh, They're just some of the names that, that, that played. Uh, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Anthony Gardner, let me ask you this, Clark. How many England caps did you get? <laughs> I got several England schoolboy caps. I was a one-cap wonder. For the... a, a Gardner Esquire has got an England cap. No, he has. Did he play one of those summer summer tour games? Was that? No, I think he came on as a substitute and won a game at Wembley as well, as far as I can remember. Anthony Gardner, bless him. I mean, it was yeah. it was an absolute wreck. And do you know what? I disagree with you about this being the worst performance. Maybe Glenn Hoddle's part. You've gone for Glenn Hoddle rather than Spurs. Because mm. I'm telling mm. you now that with with, with a, any kind of, a, of an ill win, that Spurs team could easily have got relegated. As it was, 
That's the worst finish. The 14th, I think, was the, first, the worst finish for 20, in the last 20 years since 1998. Mm. Um, so yeah, they could it was, easily yeah. have gone down with that with that. Rabble and what kind got. of manager, what was he managing like? I mean, because cause he's, the, he's always been the strange one for me, Hodder, is that the classic I, I don't manage like I played kind of guy. They, they weren't mm. particularly fun to watch either, were they? Well, they, I mean, they weren't fun to watch, Mark, for the simple reason. He just, I mean, to be fair to Glenn, he just never had any money to spend. And they were they were scratching around. You mentioned Stefan Dalmat there. Scratching around for um, loans of players who were past their best or were nursing injuries. Um, he didn't help Glenn, though, himself, I must be honest. Um, and, and we mentioned the late Goran Bunyevcevic. Um, when he was, when he uh, came from uh, Yugoslavia, uh, Glenn himself called him the Balkan Beckenbauer. Um, I'm sorry, I, 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 except for the fact that he had two legs and a head, there's no comparison between the two people, right? It's, uh, um, it was it was a, 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 a bar raised high that was, wasn't it? Wow. Well, when, when I was looking then, back, when I was looking back on this, I was sort of researching. I got got to read some some articles from the time, and. I have to say, a number of the Spurs players in the in the weeks that followed Hoddle's dismissal. So this worst performance is, was basically just over August and September before yeah. he got the bullet, and and basically no one had a had a kind word to say about Glenn. I think man management and Glenn and I've met Glenn, and I, I'm sure you have too. He was yeah. very very nice to me and, and and good company actually, but as a, as a manager in a dressing room, I think his reputation in football is that. It's something he's just very, very bad as at. As highlighted by his England time, of course. Or yeah, under- and of course, yeah. this, this particular spell, I think, just knocked his confidence as a manager. He had one more job. It was in the championship with Wolves. He, he, he was unable to take them out of the championship and he never managed again. And, and look, this was a guy that was still in his 40s at the time. So, um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a pretty woeful time for him and for Spurs. That's Do you for know sure. what? You, you, let's be fair. The... Uh, he went back to Spurs because he's a hero there. But the England spell finished him, didn't it, with the professional players. The Eileen Drury thing, Adrian, you're a former pro. Um, the Eileen Drury thing finished him with ordinary footballers. I mean, whatever they're like now, back then, the idea... I mean, Ray Parler still tells the story about being sent to see Eileen Drury um, while on England duty and asked her... Uh, she, she, she said... he. She sat him down in an armchair to do some kind of Reiki or something, and he said, "Look, just a bit off the top. Don't worry about the sides." And Glenn got to hear <laughs> about this, and he never, he never picked him again for England. No, true, and of course the Gascoigne situation—it wasn't pretty, was no, it? By the time no, he got was, to Spurs, um, no, it was, it was, it was a horrible, horrible mess. Mark, um, you made a very, very strong case there very early in the piece, Adrian. Mark, who was your worst performance of the year? Well, I'd kind of gone with a with a team that was starting to circle the drain and then pop down it at, at this particular stage. It's Leeds. Um, it was just a couple oh, of seasons. It's a great story, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's, apologies <laughs> to Leeds fans listening, and I know uh, there are millions of you, but this yeah. is a great story. They had they, they hail Mary, didn't they? A couple of seasons prior, and they, and they and they went for Europe, and they were so close. And then we can just cut to uh, November in the season that we're discussing. Eight points in twelve games. They ended up with a minus thirty-nine goal difference. Bottom of the league with thirty-three points. They had though. Paul Robinson in goal. They had Ian Hart, Gary Kelly, uh, Dominic Matteo, uh, Mike Jubry, uh, Lucas Radaby, amongst all the bodies there that could have shored it up a bit and failed. Peter Reid was in charge for a while. Eddie Gray came in and took over towards the back end. But quite frankly, 
the fall from grace. Exactly. So there was goals at the other end. James Milner. There was goals. There was opportunities for it not to be this appalling, and yet they didn't seem to want to take them. And they went down. And um, I I just think that, as as I say, by by way of a fall from grace, this was pretty spectacular. I mean, the thing is, it struck me always that, uh, of course, they went down, then they got into terrible financial trouble. The two things went hand in hand. And, of course, the books came out, exactly what had been going on there. The incredible spending, the transfer of Seth Johnson, where his agent had gone in to demand 20 grand a week and left getting 35 um, without having to put his, you know, (laughs) raise his voice. Seth Johnson, by the way. um, And... Uh, it struck me that Leeds, uh, they've gone a bit early. We're going to hear later on in the programme, no doubt, because it's 2003-2004, about the arrival of Roman Abramovich. Leeds had tried to be uh, uh, you know, one of the modern, uh, muscled-up financial clubs um, before they had any money. Um, so they were, it was a very modern thing to do, to go out and spend millions on players, uh, make sure you had the, the best of everything. They just didn't have the money to back it up, and their relegation... I don't know. I, I, you shouldn't laugh about it. Uh, and hopefully, when we get the season going again, um, they will make their long-awaited, uh, at least by their fans, return to the Premier League. But um, it really was, along with the... And Mark, you'll, you'll, you'll understand why I'm going to say this. Along with the West Ham team that went down with the whole England squad in it, it's one of the funniest <laughs> relegations ever, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, Dan. I, 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 the, the funniest, that's exactly the phrase I would have used for both of those uh, occurrences. I'll tell you what, a match between those two teams at their, with all the players at their peak, you know, uh, a virtual match, would be a hell of a game. You'd watch that, wouldn't you? Some great footballers, <laughs> great footballers involved in that, absolutely. Championship match of the century, yeah. Exactly. I mean, he... he you can make a case for him being the worst performer on his own, couldn't you, Peter Ridsdale? Every programme, every programme you could do that. <laughs> By the way, let's credit James Milner here because this was effectively yeah. his first full season in professional football as a, as a first team player. And for, it's 37, wasn't he, when he played his first game, I think. <laughs> and for that, it just looked like that, it and felt like it. For that not to have scarred him, for, for that not to have impacted him negatively ever since is, is quite a feat because it was a horrendous beginning to a career for, for a young player and hasn't he done well to to bounce back from it I mean you could you can honestly say that uh, uh, there have been better players than James Milner and there have been more glamorous players than James Milner and he's never been anywhere near being football of the year in my opinion but as a career he can put it up against virtually anybody still playing the game today and start extraordinary man um mm. if uh, if that was um one great club going into a tailspin, not quite as spectacular, but my worst performance um, is Liverpool because, uh, of course, again, it was listening to the our mighty voices, Liverpool, it? Danny Kelly. I know if you're listening to our voices in the present tense, um, they are poised um, in some way, shape, or form, probably behind closed doors, to finally be um, the champions again. But this was a time when we still thought that Liverpool were going to be, you know. Th- always in the race for the title. Gerard Houllier had five years at the club uh, to put together um, the best part of a championship winning team, or at least what he thought would be a Premier League winning team. We'll come on to what he was up against in just a few seconds at a time on this show. Um, but sometime in the summer, it all went a bit sideways for him. Um, he went out taking advantage of Leeds's misfortunes um, and the fact that they were coming on terrible crushing pressure um, financially, he bought Harry Kuehl. Harry Kuehl was great at Leeds and 
well, what's the word you'd use? Um, miserable at uh, Liverpool. He bought Anthony Letelic, um and Steve Finnan. Steve Finnan, a decent old pro, but not, not the kind of player to drive you across the line to win the championship. And perhaps the most illustrative of um, where he was going, while Arsenal were buying out of the French academy at Clairefontaine the guts of one of the greatest teams English football has ever seen, um, he tried to repeat the trick by going back to France's under-21 team, and he bought Cinema Pongol. <laughs> now, I have to say I love Cinema Pongol because his name is Cinema Pongol. Yes. It's got Cinema, Pong, and Goal in it. He's, I mean, he, honestly, sounds like, he sounds like a really good film festival you'd like to go to, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm going down to France for three days to see... To, to, the to, Cinema to, Pongol, yeah. I'm, ju- I'm judging the Cinema Pongol Palme d'Or, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it turned out to be another one of these tricky little players that Julia occasionally tried to inject into the team that were no good at all. As a result, um, in a year when you need to get a lot of points, um, because Adrian Clark will remember somebody mm. went, went through the season unbeaten. Um, and <laughs> how, is, how that's were, not been mentioned yet. But anyway, Dan, you're right. Chelsea were transforming the way we even think about constructing football teams. Liverpool went out and uh, got three points in their first three games, mm. two defeats in that. And the whole thing just fell away for them. And, you, you know, until Brendan Rodgers came around um, and the, uh, you know, the, 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 the trident up front, this was the start of their long, long period where people stopped looking at Liverpool and saying, well, they'll probably be in the running for the title. We start to say they'll probably be in the running for the European places, a hugely different thing. Um, so my worst mm. performance is that the, the, particularly um, the start that Liverpool made, which left them also rans. Um, I'm not a betting man, but I'm, there must be a phrase, one of these horses um, that's beaten before they get to the second furlong pole. That was Liverpool that year. Those are our worst performances of the season. Glenn Hoddle, Leeds United relegated um, to much mirth from the rest of the Premier League and Liverpool making their way into an enclosure that's marked ordinary for the first time, <laughs> I think, in the club's recent history. Um, uh, Mark, you, you, you're, you're, you're usually a good judge. Which of those is the worst well, performance? I, I, you, I'm going to stick with mine, and I'll tell you for why. Is that, and your two, story, your two arguments are excellent. It's promise, it's promise unfulfilled. But for me, Leeds is promise taken outside and shot like a dog. <laughs> ah, and that's the. It's just that different because at least at least they would, and you know, they, they, you know, Spurs have got to lick their wounds in the Premiership. Yeah. Mm. Uh, age, age, yeah, you know, I, you... I tend to agree. No, yeah, I tend to agree. Probably... I, I think I, I think Glenn Hodder was was obviously woeful, but in terms of the whole season, he didn't get the whole season. He handed over to David Pleat, didn't he, in, in mid September? So it would probably be a bit harsh to give him that tag for the entire season, <laughs> as bad no, as it was for, uh... for six weeks. And I think there's uh, there's uh, three reasons uh, to give um, Leeds the worst performance. One, you both agree that that is the case. Um, two, they did get relegated from a, a, a being Champions League semi-finalist a couple of years beforehand. And three, um, our producer is a rabid Leeds supporter, so they are the worst performance <laughs> of the 2003-2004 season. <laughs> Stepping one, side stepping two, that is brilliant! That is simply stunning! 
I can imagine the Chelsea fans bombarding the phone-ins tonight, saying that you were taking your time over throw-ins, free kicks, delaying tactics, the way you set out your stall. What will you say to them? Hard luck. So after that, in these dark times, let us look to something more uplifting, the sunlit uplands of the best performance of the season. I'm Adrian, you went first uh, last time. Mark, what's your idea of the best performance of the 2003-2004 Premier League season? I'm going to go with the early Christmas present that Bolton Wanderers gave themselves at Stamford Bridge. 13th of December, Chelsea won, Bolton Wanderers 2. Oh, and, and what, what a clash of cultures that was. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's Sam Allardyce, of course. He's, you know, he, he's, he's been there for a few seasons. He's got him out of the division. He's assembled quite the team, uh, including... JJ Okocha. He's got Kevin Nolan as his top scorer at the end of the year. Joel Kerp is there, people like that. He's got all that going on for him. But this game just had an end. So if you're looking just for that kind of clash of styles, as you say, Dan, and just, you know, the underdog, as it were, coming out on top, it was perfect. Hernan Crespo scores first, and Gotti gets the equaliser. It's the 90th minute, everybody. <laughs> the ball ends up heading towards Bolton's goal. It stop, breaks down on the edge of the 18-yard box. Campo goes in, studs up on a Chelsea player. Play on, says the ref. <laughs> ball breaks out wide left. Kevin Davis, like a whip, a, a, a blur, charging down the left wing, roasts Glenn Johnson, puts the ball inside. John Terry, with the deftest of right feet, Puts the ball inside Kudachini's post for the Bolton. Oh, that's glorious! For the Bolton win, everyone. For the Bolton win, and it just—it was just extraordinary time. Because listen, I'm not—I'm not here to rewrite history about Sam Allardyce and the way that he plays his football. But do you know what? There's certain little satisfaction in that. Is the fact that's not meant to have happened, and I think they finished um, eighth that season. You can't knock it, can you? No, I mean, I mean, we were talk about the, the clash and playing styles, but but Mark and Adrian, you've also this is the moment when you we have, and we'll talk about it later in this podcast, where Chelsea have changed the way that English football clubs are financed and the kind of money they yes, have available yes. to them, and Bolton are the very model of careful long term building and stability. Chelsea have come in, um, and we'll talk, yeah, I say we'll speak about it later. Have uh, you know, like supermarket sweep of footballers, <laughs> and yet the, the fact of the matter is they couldn't beat Bolton Wanderers on their own ground. And John Terry mm-hmm. scored no goal. Please and don't ever forget no that bit. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's got my vote already. And I, <laughs> can, I, can I change? <laughs> Sorry, I know, well, I, well, and it's I'm, not fair, is it? It's, it's, not, it's not fair. Me playing the John Terry own code Joker. It's that was unreasonable. Sorry, lads. <laughs> I mean, it's you, you might have got away with it. You might have got away with it just with Bolton winning at Chelsea, but yeah. you, you brought out you brought out a huge howitzer um, that John Terry uh, wins the game with an own goal. But, and of course, for me, past also is helped by past pa- uh, Carlo Cudicini. Uh, yes, because I, I've got something against Carlo. He came to be a reserve goalkeeper at Tottenham um, later on in his career, and. Uh, you know, Adrian, you all know footballers, are, there's two things they're told to avoid, motorcycles and skiing, because um, yeah. they, they, they expose your... Carlo Cudicini was daft enough, bless him, and thank God he wasn't worse hurt, to go out riding while he was a reserve goalkeeper Spurs at a time when they were struggling. Um, he went out riding on his motorcycle and he had an accident. Now, OK, if you're a goalkeeper, um, you might have got a knock on the noggin. You might have dislocated your kneecap. No, 
Carlo broke both arms and he's the Spurs reserve <laughs> goalkeeper. Uh, I had to say. Do you think he got fined? Uh, I, I, I have to say, and I'm sure he's a lovely man, I have to say, if anything illustrated um, Spurs before Harry Redknapp really got there, you know, or, you know before they start, that this time of, in Spurs' life that we talked about earlier in the show is the fact that one of their goalkeepers broke both arms in the street. I like to I mean, think could, that. What they did is they cut, they put me in casts, but like spread out so that they, so they can still have him on the bench and sort of put me in goal in the vain hope that the ball might hit his outstretched arms in in plaster cast. It, it's it's a, it's an op, it's an option. It's unfortunate because he's he's never I've never heard him talk about the incident. He hasn't written um, or got Adrian Clark to ghostwrite a book for him. <laughs> um, so I, we haven't yet to heard the story of my two broken arms. Um, Adrian, uh, you, well, he wouldn't I mean, have written I mean, them this is obviously going to be a goon fest for you, the whole the whole program. Uh, what's your best performance of the season? Oh, it has to be. It has to be Arsenal four, Liverpool two. Now to understand the game in itself is one of the best in recent memory for Arsenal fans. One of the greatest Premier League games at Highbury, no, no doubt about it. Um, but but it has to be put in context. Arsenal unbeaten in the league, thirty unbeaten, going for the treble on the Saturday. They lost to Manchester United in the FA Cup semi-final. Paul Scholes scores. They're out. They've just got the double on. Expected to beat Chelsea. New money Chelsea. Wayne Bridge comes up trumps at Emirates Stadium. Absolutely, you know, puts a pin in the atmosphere. And and Chelsea knock out Arsenal at the Champions League. Arsenal should have won the Champions League that year. Um, they didn't. And oh, hold it was on. All... What, what do you mean Arsenal should have won the Champions League that well, year? Well, they, were, well they, they were the best team in Europe that year. Weren't they? Come on. I mean, Monaco, Monaco against Porto ended up being the Champions League final. This is, you know, we're talking about this the invincible. Jose Mourinho's Porto, yeah? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it was their opportunity. Yeah. It, was right. their, it was their window. So, But it wasn't to be. So anyway, all pressure is on. They're exhausted. It's their third huge game in a week. Lots of players injured, creaking um, at the knees. They find themselves 2-1 down at half time to Liverpool. And... The second half is well. It's just it was just a dream, really, for for every single Arsenal fan. Thierry Henry just went through the gears, and you'll remember the goal, I'm sure. Um, where so basically, Perez scores just a couple of minutes after half time to level it at two apiece. Then Henry, just inside his own half, thinks, you know what? I'm going to play a bit of PlayStation football now. I'm going to have some fun. And he legs it past every single member of the team. He just waltzes all the way through, does this unreal dummy on Jamie Carragher, which it just twisted his blood. He was, he was all over the place, was was Carragher, uh, and slotted it in. It was one of the goals of the season. It didn't win goal of the season, amazingly. Uh, and then he went in on completed a hat-trick before the end of the game. It was quite remarkable game. Um, in terms of, of, of the team selection, there's a little-known fact here as well. The Invincibles, OK? This, is, this was their, the, the most famous game of the Invincibles season. And it, and it included the team. I'll read out the names. Lehman, Lauren, Torre, Campbell, Cole. In midfield, Gilberto, Vieira, Ljungberg and Perez out wide. Bergkamp playing off of Thierry Henry. Yeah, this this was the right. invincible team, right? It's all right. Little known fact. This was the first match that season. Good Friday that that 11 took to the field. Wow. In the Premier League. 
game. Yeah, quite remarkable, really. It's an urban myth that that was the team that that, that were invincible. Done the whole year, you'd have thought, yeah. On their own, yeah. And they, they only appeared one more time together, and that was in the final game when they beat, beat Leicester City. So, yeah... Edu, 13 starts, Parler, 16 starts, Will Tord, Reyes, they, they all contributed massively. So, yeah, yeah. so it was, it, was an un, it was an unreal game, a sensational performance. But and Arsene Wenger later said he, he was worried that his, his team had gone, that the mentally and physically they'd hit the wall, as you do at the, at the, in the London Marathon at that sort of 20-mile mark around the Docklands. Um, that's what he felt the team had done. And somehow, within the 11 of them, they they regrouped and and they and they were galvanised and they produced one of the most amazing halves of football I've ever seen and I think a lot of Arsenal fans would probably would probably agree with that so yeah for it's, me it's, Arsenal for it, Liverpool too uh, it's a beautiful and obviously carefully re- rehearsed um, outpouring of what happened in that game Adrian um, and my reaction to it is uh, what amazing things human the human mind is. Um, nobody could accuse me of not having a decent memory. I mean, I, I make my living by remembering um, things that happened in the past and relating them to the present. Um, I shut down in the middle of that season when I realised how good Arsenal were. Um, I re- and of course, I used to get a report back home from myself after every home game of how they were just tick- just ticking these wins off. And I genuinely can remember very little about the second half of Arsenal's season. I remember Leeds going down with great clarity. I remember Tottenham's struggle. I remember uh, all, all the kind of the, the, the teams that are now in the championship were all in the middle of the table. Your Fulham's uh, and your Bolton's that we talked about a little bit earlier and Middlesbrough. But I can't for the life remember Arsenal's running to that title. I had completely. You're trying to avoid the emotional off. scarring, yeah. weren't you, Dan? Very wise. Well, I, 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 I had survived, don't forget, in, in 1971, as a teenager, I had survived living in Highbury as a Spurs fan when they won the double. <laughs> I can remember the, the day they brought the two trophies um, from the town hall. Um, my family all went to, um, to the stadium with replicas, cardboard and tinfoil replicas of the FA Cup and the, uh, the old Division One trophy as it was then, leaving me stood on a very, very sunny May day on my own in the garden, listening to the cheers of half a million people Ooh. in the streets of Islington. So I was already still in deep treatment for that. I don't need Arsenal going unbeaten for a whole <laughs> this season. Is like, this is like the top bat- that up. This is worse than the Batman backstory. If I suddenly emerge as a serial killer, you'll know why. That's Danny, why. Danny, I've, I've got to ask you this. I, okay, I yeah. You might, not, you might have forgotten this game. This was game 31 of the 38 that Arsenal went unbeaten. Right? You must remember what happened 16 days later, 16 days after this Good Friday performance. You must remember it. The game at White Hart Lane? <laughs> yeah. The one where Arsenal oh. won the league at White Hart Lane. Was it, Do you remember was it that one? To, was it a draw? It was a draw. Yeah, it was a draw. And was it, did, did Lehman throw Robbie Keane into the... Was that one? Was it that one? <laughs> I think it might have been, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, in the last minute, yeah. the, the, the local police, Arsenal winning um, in the last minute, and we're going to win the title at White Hart Lane, which they had done before, don't forget. I was on the ground when they won the title in 1971, also at White Hart Lane. Thank you, God. Um, and, uh, uh, yes, I think the local police might have whispered from behind the goal to Jens Lehmann, we don't need this to be an Arsenal victory, Jens. It doesn't matter. If Arsenal draw, they're going to be, they still win the title. And he picked up, from a corner, he picked up poor old Robbie Keane 
and threw him bodily into the net. I love the ends for that. Which allowed Spurs to get a face-saving equalising penalty in the very last minute. Yes, I, so I remember that bit. Yes, I do. You're oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Dan, you... Dan joined us again at that particular point, didn't he? <laughs> for Tottenham's equaliser, yeah. yeah. I'm, I tuned back in for Spurs' equaliser. <laughs> but I'm just, it's not me. It's all human beings and our ability to do that. Thank you very much indeed, Adrian. So we, we've got uh, Bolton's victory at Chelsea, Arsenal's uh, victory over Liverpool, which has gone into the folklore of the club. Um, I'm going to choose a wider uh, canvas, and that, that's the performance of newly promoted Portsmouth for my performance of the season. Um, Harry Redknapp, and the clue to what I'm going to say in the next few minutes is Harry Redknapp. <laughs> Harry has uh, gone to Portsmouth um, in the Championship and with Milan Mandaric, um had spent a bit of money, and uh, he gets some team promoted. And there is, there's film of Harry talking on the opening day of the season, and I mean, he's an enthusiast about life in general, um, even though he can look pretty hanged off. Uh, but he he was really so excited about the prospect of, of Portsmouth being back in the top level of English football and what he might do. What he'd done during the summer, though, was to construct a team almost from scratch. And it reminded me that at that time, the game championship manager was all the rage. I mean, it still is a huge, huge thing. And, and incidentally, Miles Jacobson, uh, the man who uh, looks after the game. And, now as uh, football manager, made, of course, yeah. Yeah, he's now called football manager. Made a lot of money out of it and all the rest of it. Miles is doing some fantastic things uh, in and around uh, what's going on in the country at the moment, putting his money where his mouth is, uh, stuff like that. So credit to him. Uh, he always does. Uh, but he, he, the game allowed you to buy... I mean, if you started as Walsall Football Club, after about three seasons, if you looked after the game properly... Um, you could you could end up you find yourself buying the best players in the world, and Harry just went out and constructed a pure Championship manager team. I mean, Teddy Sheringham. We heard how he f- fell out with Glenn Hoddle, ends up signing there. Patrick Berger, um, a European Championship winner with uh, with, with Czechoslovakia. Um, Loire, Loire players who made no sense at all individually tacked to each other. He put together a squad of these people, bought here, borrowed there done a swap deal there, um, and put together a very, very good team. Um, I think after the first month of the season, Portsmouth were the top. Now, it didn't last. They finished mid-table. But I think um, for a team to come out of the championship, I mean, I suppose Wolves um, are the opposite in many ways because they really had great players. But Portsmouth had an odd mishmash of footballers put together in, a, in ways that I think led to Harry's reputation as a wheeler dealer um and but they they did very very well and you know they didn't set the division on fire but he did a fantastic job and i thought portsmouth mm. deserved a lot of credit for what they did this Agreed. season yeah yeah they were uh, they were exciting weren't they they were they were, they were fun to watch and like you yeah. say the collection of players just made them interesting tim sherwood was there wasn't he at the time he had shaka hislop um yeah lo- loads of loads of sort of well-known Red, harry redknapp gets a lot a lot of bad plaudits that too many for my personal taste but nonsense he, I, he's a really really brilliant manager it's, it's super, and that's my that would be my point is that i would pretty much categorically say that you know whatever team if you support a, a team that harry mad harry redknapp managed Probably the mm. best team that you saw was the Harry Redknapp team that he put together. Mm. I yeah. know that was Yacubu, the case of West Ham. He? he was a striker, wasn't he? Yakubu. He was, he was sensational yeah. at that time. 
You're absolutely right. You can remember the West Ham team, the Spurs team that qualified for the Champions League for the first time. People go on about Pochettino's teams. Of course, he had you know brilliant teams at Spurs uh, the last few years. But Harry's team was it was moving. Um, you know, I'm gone. I'll tell you later on about what I thought about the midfield that he put together. Um, and uh, you know, that particular year, midfield and Peter Crouch up front. <laughs> it was it was all good fun. Um, so Portsmouth for performance of the year. Arsenal's um, season-defining victory over Liverpool or Bolton, um, showing that there's more than one way to skin a cap by <laughs> winning at newly um, mega-rich Chelsea. Um, this is difficult because I, I should go first here, if I may. Uh, it's very difficult for me, as I say, because I have no recollection of Do the match it, whatsoever. Do it, Dan. Um, Do it. But, Come on. But if, if a team goes unbeaten in the season, and I don't know what the big fuss is about, but there you are. <laughs> 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 Takes all the fun out of it, doesn't it, Danny? I'm, I'm oh, with that Mrs. Kelly having a little. But if you, Kelly having she, a giggle in the background. She's supposed to be bringing me a cup of tea, actually. And the other noise you can hear is the cat coming in the window. Hello, Zaza. Um, the if, if if that really is, and I've no reason to believe that Adrian Clark is a liar. Um, that if that really is the pivotal moment of Arsenal's great season, then I'll go for that, Mark. Yeah. If we don't have to say nice things about them continually from this point. No, uh, we might probably have to anyway, and it's still Arsenal. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. The Disciplinary Commission unanimously found that the charge was proved against Rio Ferdinand. It was further decided he would be suspended for a period of eight months with effect from Monday 12th of January 2004 and be fined the sum of £50,000. I think uh, we and uh, only Manchester United can achieve the second place. It will be a good battle between the two teams. First of all, the fans shouldn't have been on the pitch. I know he's unhappy. Uh, I think there was 30,000 out there that, that felt just as he did, but they, they stayed in their seats and voice their anger in other ways. Next up, and of course this is one of those moments where um, you, uh, most of the fun is, I think, we're going to do our villain of the season. 
Um, hey, uh, let, let me see who went first. I should go first here. Yeah, I shall lead the charge here for my bit of the season. Um, it, it, it is both for his season, but also for a career, um, particularly his time at Spurs, um, where I just one of those footballs it is very hard to get a proper grip on. Ian Walker. Um, Ian Walker <laughs> played in goal for Spurs for many years. He grabbed him by the head. He could get a really good grip of him, Dan, to be honest. He, he really yes, could. he did. He, 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 he wore his curtains. hair, centre parted, um, like a pair of cinema curtains. <laughs> and when, when, it, when There it, was when an pulled, organ played, didn't yeah, there? Exactly. When, he... <laughs> when, when, when Ian Walker pulled his hair to one side, you expect to see a man playing an organ rise up out of the ground. Um, uh, he, he had great that strange haircut. For, for real cream, wasn't he? He was a great advert. He was a good enough goalkeeper to play for England. He played one time for England in that disastrous defeat to Italy in one of the qualifiers um, at Wembley where Gianfranco Zola um, hit a shot. It went off the, the sole of uh, Sol Campbell's boot and underneath Ian Walker's body. But he was, So he wasn't a bad goalkeeper. And I mean, credit, he wasn't a bad goalkeeper. But he did some strange things. By this time, he was playing for Leicester City, Ian, and it was against Aston Villa. And um, there was a bit of jip in the crowd. Somebody got on the pitch and started to give him a little bit of jip. Now, he's no stranger to jip. I'll come back to that in a second. Um, but Ian, uh, where most footballers are conditioned to try and calm the situation down, all like Mark Noble, take out a policeman's notebook from his back pocket and take notes of what the person is saying to pass it onto the board, Ian thought the best plan for him would be to give this bloke a hiding. And so there ensues that the most... The most unusual scene on a football pitch of a player um, giving a supporter a couple of thick ears. Now, Jeff Winter was the referee, and to be fair to Jeff, who was a big old unit, he moved very fast to get himself between Ian uh, and the miscreant. Um, the, the, the atmosphere in English football at the time, uh, I'm, I'm not sure he would have got away with it these days, Ian didn't get banned at all. They just said, oh, that was terrible. You shouldn't have done that. Um, you should not be belting the paying customers <laughs> at a football match. But listen, Ian Walker could get up the noses of fans. Um, there, mm. I remember when he conceded a load of goals at, top, at Newcastle. Spurs lost, I think, seven at Newcastle. Um, I'll just repeat, imagine losing seven at Newcastle. And he turned to, to the Spurs fans who were behind him, put his arms wide and laughed like a drain, as if to say, nothing to do with me, lads. And he also had this habit of after heavy defeats, um, he would be interviewed, not in a tracksuit that might say, I'm taking this very seriously. Um, I'm a professional footballer and we've got a tonk in there and I'm taking it very seriously. He would always appear on television um, dressed. I mean, I know Mark, you're something of a fashionista. He would dress like <laughs> an extra out of Bo Brummel. He would. He often had, particularly that annoyed me. He had a, a purple crushed velvet jacket no. that he often used to try and explain away heavy defeats in a purple, and it was just terrible. Um, I like look, to think it was also in a fourteen-line stanza that he read from his own notebook and written <laughs> and wrote the poem in, in, in parchment and quill. He was Good a, look, let's get this right, boys. He, let's get this right. He did not want to waste a minute of his Saturday night out. No, he was just he was ready. ready to go. He was ready to go. <laughs> yeah. he, was, he was he was out out every single and I, weekend. I think, that boy. I, I, I think that uh, that was the the background to this was that um, Ian knew there was a life beyond football. Didn't take it seriously as the fans. I think he he lived a very happy. He simply his goalkeeper's life. gloves for his white gloves and then he summoned, he summoned think, a horse and carriage and off he rode. I think, I think the, the irony of this thing was that the fan who went on the pitch, now he shouldn't go on the pitch and confront the players, 
But I think Leicester and Ian had conceded four goals in about 10 minutes. Um, and he, he really, it was, he could go on no longer. And for his pains, he got a right-hander. Um, that's that's my villain of the, of the season, but also for his kind of um, devil-may-care career, Ian Walker. Um, Adrian, who's, who's, your, who's your villain? Yeah, well, on Ian Walker, last word, as yeah. someone completely neutral, he just had a face that you want. And I'm not a violent man, but he had a face <laughs> you wanted to punch, didn't yeah. he? he? I'll tell you what he looked like. He, he Poor looked... Ian Walker, he's probably sitting at home listening to go, is this me? What, who, who are they talking about? I, I will defer. At the time, he had that whole look and manner of, of the loser very low down the card on a WWE bill. You know the kind of cocky one with the long hair and and too much yeah. tan, who basically like yeah. who, who's who was on, who, he's the heel and he's only meant to last two and a half minutes, and yeah. and he did. You know, you get beaten by the famous uh, one. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a it's a strong contender, Danny. I've got to say, right, my my villain for the season is 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 a body. It's the FA. Um, uh. The FA, if you cast your mind back, um, banned Rio Ferdinand for eight course, months for missing a drugs test. Um, 23rd of September, 2003, Rio Ferdinand training with Manchester United. He gets the he gets word that he's needed after training for, for, for a drugs test. He thinks, yeah, no bother. And he gets, he gets showered and changed, hops straight in his motor, and he's off shopping for bedroom furniture. He, 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 he's meeting the missus to shop for bedroom furniture. Well, it takes 40... 12 weeks for delivery, doesn't it? You've got, you've got to do it. And he gets a call from the club um, about a half hour after he's supposed to be in the test saying, where are you? Where are you? Um, you're supposed to take this drugs test. And he's like, oh, no. Oh, no. So he dashes back. Um, and, he, and, and during the journey back, he phones the FA by all accounts. This is word of mouth from, from Rio, from, the, from his testament. And he offers to, 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 to do the test there and then. But they've gone home. Testers have left. And he speaks to somebody at the FA who reportedly says to him, well, look, it's okay. You can do a test in a couple of days' time. And he did do that test, and he, he passed that test no problem. He was hoping, and, and Manchester United were hoping, that, that this would just blow over. Not so. Not so at all. And, and Mark Palios was, was, was the guy in charge of the FA at the time. And I really like Mark Palios. The work he's doing at Tranmere is brilliant yeah, yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, but he was a stickler at the time, and... Basically, he wanted to be seen to take a tough start. So he did miss a drugs test, after all, as as accidental as as it pro, as it was from Rio. And I, and I believe him. I think ninety nine point nine percent of of people do believe him. And um, he, he he had to go, uh, you know, in, in front of the FA and 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 unfortunately for him, they banned him for eight months. And, and this took him out of the rest of the season. And of course, Euro. 2014 as well and and they and and, and before actually they they meted out this punishment yeah. yeah before they'd meted out this lengthy punishment by the way he was dropped from the England squad if you cast your mind back shop um shop steward Gary Neville threatened to strike the players were all behind Rio saying look you can't drop Rio for the, for this it, he, he just forgot it was no biggie but the FA were were really strong and and from reports I've since read you know the FA were pushing for an even even longer ban the interesting thing about this, and, and everything you say is interesting there, Adrian, the interesting thing, though, is this was at a time when fans were convinced that that Sir Alex Ferguson ran the game in England, yeah. um, whether it was timekeeping, um, whether it was the way his appeals were going through the FA for his various players. 
um, it, it gave the lie to the idea that, uh, yes. that Ferguson and Manchester United had an inordinate amount of power because they were obviously bewildered when this, this ban came yeah. down. But this was the ultimate backlash to that, to that mood it, at uh, the time. Rio is the baby thrown out of the bathwater of this confrontation, isn't he? Absolutely, because Manchester City player Christian Nagui had also missed a drugs test, I think the year before. He'd got a £2,000 fine and, and no ban. So so the feeling at Manchester United at the time was that basically he's a celebrity um, you know, uh, victim or, or celebrity uh, penalty here, and they wanted to, to make an issue of it and to be seen to be in tough. So they dropped him from England. Um, at the time, the opponents, Turkey, said, no, you can play him. We've got no issue with him playing, but they said no. They ended up banning him for, for, for eight months. And the reason I think it, it was villainous on the FA's part was that I think they, they were too heavy-handed with the approach. I don't think they used sort of common sense here and but but it's what happened next and what happened next is that they completely changed their drug testing procedure they made sure that drug testers were by the side of a pitch uh, so after training they would just walk with them straight the way to the, through to the to the to the drugs test and and this couldn't happen again and and yeah i, I just feel that he he was a real victim here he, he was silly rio for forgetting to, to, to go to the room to take the test. But the FA, for me, took it way, way too far. And they denied Adrian, a great player. Denied a great player are. the chance to play at the, at the yes. Euros. Mark Pallius, if he was here, if he wasn't busy making transformations at uh, Tranmere, Mark Pallius would say, um, whatever you say, in the 15 years since then, not one high-profile Premier League player has failed a drugs test. But as, as Clarkie points out, of course, that's because they changed the system that well, the Rio Ferdinand exposed. So. Or maybe the players realised that they were, going to, they were going to take this thing very, very seriously indeed. Um, oh, Mark, sorry, sorry uh, uh, Adrian, since we've got you here, you're a professional mm. player. Um, can you remember taking a drugs test? Well, they started to come in, yeah, when I, not when I was at Arsenal, actually. So we were talking 97, 98, 99, 2000, when I was at Southend United. Yeah, I mm -hmm. remember. I remember having to uh, get in the, the tap on the shoulder, right? Don't go without taking the test. And, yeah, it was, it was a very simple procedure. Um, yeah. but, but I couldn't Was it literally, go. was it, excuse me the details, could, couldn't go. peeing into a bottle, is it? Yeah, as simple as that. I couldn't go yeah. for love nor money. I was dehydrated. It was a quite a warm day, if, if memory serves me right. And um, I had probably hadn't had enough to drink. And um, and, and they were just plying me with bottles and bottles of, of water. But you know what it's like, boys? When the pressure's on. I oh, know. Yeah. <laughs> so hard. It's your career I, in a nutshell, I, or indeed a sample <laughs> bottle, isn't it, really, there, Clarky? Uh, Adrian, <laughs> believe me, when you get to, to the age myself and Mark are, um, you will have no problem uh, producing uh, on a regular Every basis. Every 25 minutes that. drug test if you uh, need it. There you go. No problem at all. Um, Mark, um, so we've got uh, poor old Ian Walker, who probably um, doesn't remember half of these things going on. And we've got the FA for their uh, uh, interaction with Rio Ferdinand. Who is your 2003-2004 um, villain of the year? Okay, well, I'll preface it by saying... Do we remember that in June 2003, Roman Abramovich, by accident rather than design, ends up buying Chelsea? And it's not him. The man it is, is Claudio Ranieri. Hang on, first of all, just to, I don't want to create something called a witch's post. And by saying that, I've already created one. When you do BBC radio training, I haven't, but I've heard about this. They always play a piece from the 1950s where some woman is describing the village where she lived in somewhere in rural England. She goes, so we wandered up past the greengrocers, past the pub, past the witch's post and on up to um, my friend's house. 
And, and the, everyone's going, presenter, what's the witch's post? <laughs> the presenter never asked her what a witch's post was. Yes. Um, so he bought it by accident. <laughs> well, he did, That's didn't he? Post. He, 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 was, he? He came to buy, I forget which other London side it was. It was Tottenham. Tottenham. And, and he saw Stamford Bridge when he flew over it on the way out, I believe. He said, well, um, I can't have Tottenham. I'll have, what's that one then? It could have been Brentford, lads. <laughs> the, the Heathrow flight path. So um, that's the, uh, perhaps that's folklore. It doesn't really matter because, as I say, I'm going for dear old Claudio Ranieri. Um, reads a bit. I mean, he got himself sacked by the end of the season, and he got himself sacked having spent 120 million quid, which was a lot of money in those days. Yeah. Ooh, not hard. Um, it really was. Damien Duff, Wayne Bridge, Verong, Crespo, Makaleli, in amongst all of the Joe names Cole. that he bought. Yeah. That whole shooting match there. Um, David Platt I'll defer to here because it's a great quote and it's a great quote and it's also full of absolute sourness and vinegar. He said about <laughs> not that like season, <laughs> building a title team and then winning a title are two different things. And I think this is why I'm having to pick on the manager in this situation because it was presented to him on a silver platter at that football club. But here comes the actual rub for me. Emotion in the voice. In the June, in July and August, he nicked Glenn Johnson and Joe Cole off of West Ham because we got relegated. Oh. So I, I guess we've basically arrived at my point. <laughs> but yeah. I will say that I feel I backed it up by the fact that I think, and, and as I, I will defer to David Platt on this one here, Claudio Ranieri was given it to absolutely for him to take full advantage of. And all he managed to get out of that season was the sack with all of those players and all that money. You know what? We, we, we've seen we've seen splurges when Manchester City got taken over. We've seen these splurges. But this was the first time yeah. we'd really, really seen a proper splurge in the, in the transfer window in the close season on getting player after player after player. My own personal recollection, I was still working um, for the National Broadcast at the time in London. And I remember I had a sports show that started at 7 o'clock in the evening. And I couldn't, and this is as clear as a bell. Um, I had a piece of paper in my hand to start the show to discuss the fact that Chelsea had just bought, uh, broken their transfer record. I can't remember who it was for. Um, forgive me, the, the sequence of events is now uh, a bit hazy to me. As I was sat down to start the show, the, per, the production assistant on the, on, on the radio program ran into the studio and plonked another piece of paper down. They had already leapfrogged their own <laughs> transfer their own record, record in that afternoon a second time. <laughs> and, I mean, it was just incredible. I mean, it, it's hard now to, rem to remember. The they did all this in about six weeks in the run-up to the season. They bought player after player after player after player. And, uh, and uh, Claudio Ranieri, who already had the name the Tinker Man for messing around with the team, suddenly had about t another, uh, 10 or 11 brilliant players in which to practice that do you know what it's so incredible isn't it because claudio ranieri's reputation um would have remained as a kind of nearly man tinker man messing around with the squad that terrible thing that he did in the champions league against monaco um, when he messed around with the team and all the rest of it but of course what happened to leicester a few years ago has completely rehabilitated and, and i'm glad because um he is a lovely lovely man not yeah. just in not just in press conferences. Um, he won't. He won't mind me saying this. He didn't. There was no publicity at the time. Um, when he was, uh, you know, he he had a, uh, an autobiography out, and so and he made a lot of money because the um, the he, he you know he was a big big deal at the time as Chelsea manager, 
and again because of my connection with BBC London, um, he gave all the money um, secretly then, and so I'm breaking a confidence here, to Great yeah. Ormond Street Hospital. And he also went down to Great Ormond Street Hospital to meet the staff and all the rest of it. And I, I spent the day with him um, making a little documentary about him, but we didn't mention that as the, that was part yeah. of the deal. Um, he could not have been a more of a gent. Um, and when he won the title with Leicester, I remember thinking, wow, what a comeback from one reputation mm. to another. But you're right here, agreed. Mike. Let's be fair. Agreed he, with that. He was allowed to buy. He literally um, bought the best players available to any to an English club and still didn't win the title. So, <laughs> he's just not very villainous, is he? he no, he's not very villainous. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, no. He's, got, he's got Bond villain qualities, though, because you, cause and, it looks like butter wouldn't melt. But you know what? Behind that steely gaze, come on. Well, isn't it, I, isn't it I, funny, I but wait. Go on. I was going to say, isn't it funny that known as the Tinker Man, of course, and the one reason really why Leicester won the league is that he didn't tinker with yeah. Nigel Pearson's team. I mean, yeah. it's just, you yeah. couldn't hide it. Well, and, and I mean, even that's to his credit, because to still be able to learn in middle age and late middle age is a fantastic thing. I'll, you know, I would remember Ferguson. My great thing about Alex Ferguson is that he was prepared to change. I can't remember... They got a, a, a hiding in a European tie playing 4-4-2. I think it might have been against Red Star Belgrade. I can't remember exactly. So, I mean, United fan will, will uh, somehow get in touch with me and tell me. Um, but uh, Ferguson uh, said to the assistant manager after, we are never going out in 4-4-2 in a European game again. And they never did. And they became the force that we know they were. So, Claudio Ranieri, the tinker man at Chelsea. Um, Rio Ferdinand, well, the FA for their dealing with Rio Ferdinand, and Ian Walker um, for punching a fan, um, having conceded four goals in 18 minutes, um, putting the cherry on a, a, a career of laughing at the fans when they thought he was doing badly. Um, I'll start with you, Mark. Who do you think is the villain of the season? And for looking like the poet Shelley at post-match press absolutely, conferences. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, you've got to go for the body for, for FA, this one here, because... It just feels like, especially the way that, that Clarkie so graphically spelt that story out for us, it felt like Rio Ferdinand was just being used as a kind of, as a pawn in, in, a, in a childish game between one superpower and one super powerful individual. And I, I, I'm not going to disagree with that. Um, I do think that the FA were always going to take the first very high profile drugs case in this country because there had been rumblings and bans in Italy and I think they wanted to make an example an example um, yeah. yeah but uh, I think I think the uh, the example of missing a test and I know it's it's incredibly important but we've seen athletes including gold medal winning Olympic athletes who we adore like Christina Hurugu missing more than one test and coming through it in athletics uh, in football uh, they, they it was it was it was too heavy a jackboot, and I'm happy always. In fact, and we could do this nearly every week to make the FA the villains <laughs> of the week. Better for Ulrich. Running at Harman and away from him, and running at Carragher. This is the moment, the Carling Cup final 2004, and the trophy is Middlesbrough. 
Parker forward. This is Charlton's opportunity. Still Parker. Can he finish? He can! Would you believe it? Would you believe it? Scott Parker may have won the day for Charlton Athletic here. You notice we've done it sort of the show in, I say, in these slightly gloomy times for us all. The show ends on a high note. Um, we're going to do our hero of the season, 2003-2004. Um, I, I, it's very hard to get past, I mean, this Arsenal team. And so, Adrian, at the risk of taking the air out of the tyres of both myself and Mark Webster, why don't you start? Uh, <laughs> well, for me, yeah, there were heroes all over the place. Arsene Wenger was pretty heroic, um, but, but the one player that really stood out was Thierry Henry. Right, it was oh, a, sorry. <laughs> it, was, look, it was the best season of his career. 30 goals in 37 games. He got 39 in all competitions. Not 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 too shabby. He did the double in terms of the player of the year, PFA, football writers. That was the second year running. He won the European Golden Boot. Um, the one travesty that season is that he didn't win FIFA World Player of the Year. A young upstart. Hang on, hang on. Hold on, hold on. He didn't. That's a travesty. Arsenal didn't win the Champions League. Is there anything you don't think is a travesty of Arsenal didn't win the boat race? They should have won the Nothing boat race, since. yeah? Nothing since. Look, look, what's happened since? That They've had plenty of, of bad times and, and whatnot. But this was a glorious year. And and for me... And who who I, I was the World Player of the Year? Uh, Ronaldinho, a young upstart. He was ah. in his first season at Barcelona. I mean, he, he had some amazing moments, scored some great goals, but Barca didn't win the they league. Did, they don't often a... cross to the to the to our little island, do they, to pick World Player no. of the Year? It's not that a big his, thing, is it? That was his year. Thierry Henry was head and shoulders the, the, the best player on the planet at that time. For me, this season, I would, I would go as far as to say that was that he was the best player in, in Premier League history. I know that's arguable. I know there are lots of other contenders around. But this was the best season by the best player we've seen in the Premier League, in my opinion. I mean, he got four against Leeds, that hat-trick against Liverpool. Cast your mind back to the... There's a famous game. You might not know this, guys, but Arsenal beat Inter Milan 5-1 at the San Siro that season as well. And he, he was just done unplayable so yeah Thierry Henry for me absolute hero that that year I played against him funnily enough after I'd left oh. Arsenal for, for Stevenage back in in 2000 and it was a pre the last pre-season friendly before the first match of the season and as you know with the last match before a start of a season the manager normally picks their strongest 11 so Arsene Wenger came with his best team and oh my goodness! Like <laughs> I, I'd only left Arsenal three years earlier. Uh, Joe Clarkie, the good news is that you were in Stevens's best eleven as well. So yeah. So come on, other positives. Come on. Honestly, as if I didn't feel bad enough that you know that that, that my fall from grace had, 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 had gone that rapidly. Um, they were sensational. But he, who was he was twenty two at the time, Thierry Henry, he scored a hat trick in the first half, and the grace the pace yeah. and actually the way that he struck the ball. I'd never seen a player strike the ball as sweetly as, as he did in the flesh. It, it was incredible. They had to take him off in the second half just to give us a bit of a chance <laughs> to keep it respectable. <laughs> and Adrian, brought, well. I know you're a massive Arsenal fan. Um, I, I don't know if this has occurred to you. It seems to me that Arsenal's rise to the invincible team of 2003-2004, we've discussed so much on this programme, you can time time it's it's development from the moment you leave the club 
<laughs> you really well. I think you can. You, you can almost I, argue that he's the most important person in Arsenal's <laughs> modern history for the sacrifice someone, he made. Someone had to sacrifice himself, and okay? And you, I Clarky, sacrificed my, my top flight career just to <laughs> just pave the way for Mark Overmars <laughs> to come in, take my place, and the rest is history. And the rest is so history. You're absolutely bang on. I was replaced effectively by by Mark Overmars, and I have no yeah. problem with that. <laughs> <You'll> <laughs> take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I, I, it's like uh, you know, if I if I you know if I've been replaced on the radio by Howard Stern, you have to take it, don't you? Yeah, you, you just you just, just basically it. say, "Can I have I got time to tidy up my stuff, or should I just yeah, can, re- should I just yeah. leave now?" What's, what's has anyone got a cardboard box for my gear? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, Thierry Henry, uh, fantastic career. My um, hero of the season. Uh, much much lower down in many ways the football rankings, if you like. But uh, I want to remember the, the year that Scott Parker had. And a bit more about Scott Parker, actually. Um, he starts at Charlton Athletic. And yes, teenagers, Charlton Athletic were in the Premier League. Not only been in the Premier League, but under Alan Kirbishley. Yes, that same Alan Kirbishley yep. who's so derided now everywhere. Every time a job comes up, Alan Kirbishley applied for that. Give the bloke a break. Give the bloke a break, honestly. Um, but Ch- Charlton were a very, very decent upper mid-table Premier League team. Um, Scott Parker was the, the, the ticking heart of their engine room, it it's was. fair to say. Um, during the course of this season, uh, Charlton came up against uh, Chelsea and uh, Scott scored twice uh, from sort of defensive midfield, uh, holding midfield, I guess you'd call it, um, and scored twice against them. Within two weeks, of course, Chelsea, who at the time, as I say, money was burning holes in all of their pockets. Um, so, we'll have him. Yeah, it's 10 million <laughs> quid. We'll have him. 10 million quid was a fortune um, for an un- you know for a non-sort of superstar player at that time. And Chelsea just took him away. And he had a decent career at Chelsea as well. I mean, it was just, he's my hero because... He was he's one of those players who made the absolute maximum of everything that, of whatever talent he'd been given. And I saw this close up um, when under Harry Redknapp he arrived at Spurs and ticked over a midfielder at various times, included uh, Luka Modric, Raphael van der Vaart, and the pace of Bale and Lennon. At times, it was the best midfielder I'd ever seen, um, and he was just one of those players who. Mm-hmm. Never did, never made a mistake, Scott. He'd get the ball, he'd pass it. Not all in, and look, he, he wouldn't split a defence like Stephen Gerrard. Um, mm. And and also, I like the fact he was a he footballer's started... footballer, Danny. He was yeah. a footballer. Is that right? He did, he did the right? dirty work. He was unfussy. He was hard working, but but he used quality as well. I think I don't think he's had anywhere near enough credit. I'm I'm glad that you've you've, you've oh, brought him up. He's a fantastic a footballer. And I, I I from the West Ham point of view, when he was at yeah. West Ham, he was you know as you say, Clarky, you know he's that kind of glue footballer that you know you only notice when he's not there, sort of thing. And we would sit at you know in about the 85th minute and 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 all look round at each other in the up to part say, I wonder who's won Scott Parker's Man of the Match award this year, this week. <laughs> and it was Scott Parker. And it was, it was amazing work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, I think he has another important role in uh, recent English his- football history. Um, it's, it's almost impossible now to think about it because so many of them have it. But Scott Parker was the first footballer, and I remember being bewildered by it, who looked like he was a Spitfire pilot from 1941. He, he did, didn't he? Um, he looked like he one had, of the few. He was, when everyone else had straggly haircuts or nutty post-80s um, Steve Strange haircuts going on, it was Scott who had the parting down the left-hand side, short back and sides. Now, of course, 
Everybody wears their hair like that, those of, those of you with hair. But Scott Parker started the Spitfire pilot look in English football, um, which means... I've always I thought, yeah, that, that mod, I, I always think you should suppose his name like Parker the Coat because he looks absolute mod, doesn't he? <laughs> He's very neat indeed. Um, and speaking of uh, haircuts that are memorable, your hero of the yeah, season, lads. Mark, is... Yeah, good try. See, in this poker game that we played here... I'm sitting here with three aces in front of me, and now I'm Brett Maverick in you with the fourth ace. It's Steve <laughs> McLaren, lads. Oh, well, again, somebody whose reputation yes. now lies in tatters at his feet. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, but um, it wasn't always thus. No, it wasn't. And, and and this is kind of you know, it's I want to go back and give the fellas some credit because, of course, the reason to get yourself in a position to be knocked off a pedestal means that you got that you got on the pedestal in the first place. So this was his second season at Middlesbrough, his first coaching job. He replaced Brian Robson at Middlesbrough down there, as I say. He turned down Southampton and West Ham. In other words, mm. someone coming out of Ferguson's coaching staff camp was much sought after. Mm. And do you know what? In the 0304, he did really well with Middlesbrough. He got them to 11th in the table, which wasn't too shoddy. He even... I've checked this before we came on. He was born in Fulford. It's only 55 miles from Middlesbrough, which means that the accent remained intact Very all good. the way through the season. So, you know, that, that, was, that was for later in his career that, that his voice travelled as much as he did. That, that was yet to come, so we can ignore that. The League Cup win, and on the way, Brighton got beat, Wigan got beat, Everton got beat on penalties, Spurs got beat on penalties, and finally, Arsenal managed to get themselves beaten by somebody, 1-0 Janino. Mm-hmm. So, just as a bit of balance, I thought in the podcast, yeah. I offer you Steve McLaren and an Arsenal defeat. Well, the, Arsenal, <laughs> the Arsenal defeat was very, very welcome this season. I'm warming, warming my hands on it as we speak. Um, yeah, yeah, it's worth mentioning Steve McLaren. You don't, you don't yeah. get to be England manager, however briefly, um, unless you've got something going yeah. for you. And now, as I say, because despite the title that he won in Holland. Um, people were already seem to forget that he overcame Feyenoord, Ajax, and PSV to win a title in Holland. Um, the fella, because we live, we always, we live now in the last thirty minutes, don't we, on the media? Um, it's forgotten that he was a very good manager. But I'm afraid, Mark, I don't think he's the hero of the season. Um, nor, and this is, I'm, I'm taking control here. Nor, with all due respect, um, to a, a lovely man, and he's doing okay as Fulham manager as well. Um, to Scott Parker, I think the listeners, having heard what they've heard over the last forty minutes, would think we had taken leave of our senses that we had, um, so we had socially isolated ourselves from our senses if we didn't make the Tell. hero of the year, arguably the best Premier League player. But the, I, fa- I, 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 the face of the Premier League for me, almost to this day, I would suggest. I'm not sure he was even the best forward in that Arsenal team. I'm thinking about Dennis Bergkamp, but that's a separate issue, isn't it? Um, Adrian, you've done it again. Um, Arsenal have <laughs> dominated this podcast in the same way as they dominated the season. And Thierry Henry, um, and look, I can't see you because we're remote from each other. I can see it, but I'm sure I can detect a little grin on your face because you've managed to make the whole thing about how great Arsenal were, despite <laughs> me big, not remembering the second half of the season. Thierry Henry. Is it's the hero. A it's a big grin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but at least he weren't invincible all the way through the podcast, Dan. 
<laughs> no, no. Thank you to Middlesbrough and Stephen McLaren <laughs> for that. And thank you also to Mark Webster and Adrian Clark for making themselves available in slightly difficult circumstances for this edition of the podcast. I've been Danny Kelly as well. You can download it from all the usual areas. Don't forget, we've also got um, an appendix to this that comes out in a couple of days' time. You can download that too. And I don't um, apologize for repeating myself when I say um, we're very grateful that you're listening to us. Um, but the important thing is uh, to try and follow most of the instructions uh, that you're getting now to the letter of the law so that we can all remain safe and well, the vast, vast, vast majority of us, because as George Harrison uh, once uh, told us, all things must pass and we will um, get through all this together. And we will continue to try and make podcasts and radio broadcasts to entertain you all. Thank you very much for listening. Bye bye for now. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 